Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, without further ado, we're going to dive right into our interview with Alan Ames, and I want you to pay attention. You will be blessed. I have the gift of welcoming an evangelist, a Catholic lay evangelist, who comes to us from the other side of the world, joining us from Australia. He is not in Australia as I speak to him, but he landed uh, just, I think, was it yesterday, uh, coming in all the way from Australia. His name is Alan Ames. Welcome to the program, Alan. God bless you. Well, uh, thank you for having me on your program. Absolutely, Alan. It's a, it's a blessing to talk to someone who is a lay evangelist. Uh, this is a, you're in rare air. There aren't that many folks who have that as a title, not just a title, but let's call it a mission and a profession to be able to um, do the work of ministry, evangelizing, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in Catholic circles, and proclaiming with great uh, expectant faith the breaking in of God's kingdom and the moving and uh, healing purposes that Jesus Christ still does today. That is an amazing uh, call that you have. It's been something you've been doing for quite a while now, huh? Yeah, well, it, it's a call that uh, every, every Catholic has, and it'd uh, be nice if we all answered it and we had, you know, a billion Catholics going out there evangelizing. The world would be a different place. But uh, the Lord called me 29 years ago to go out and start doing his work. And so under the scrutiny of my archbishop, and the previous Archbishop, uh, I've been doing this, and I do everything in obedience to the Catholic Church, because if you want to be truly faithful to God, you have to be faithful to the Church. So it's uh, a great blessing, and I thank God every day that he called a sinner like me to go out and share his love. Amen to that. Alan, one of the principles in Catholic theology is the idea that God will have some, the the few or the or some live in an exemplary way a call that everyone is asked to participate in in their own way, and so you brought up a really important point that each of us is called to be salt, light, and leaven. Each of us is called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in our own way and in our own place, and so someone like you who's doing this in a full-time way for almost 30 years, it becomes, uh, you're, you're a model, you're an example that, you know, you're living it in an exemplary way, and hopefully that stirs us to live it each in our own way. It's sort of a, like a leadership principle that says, if you want someone that is uh, being influenced by you, that's a follower of yours, to take two steps forward, then you better be ready to take five steps forward. And that'll create some momentum, some energy in them to want to follow after you, even if they are not able to do the five steps, they're willing to do the two steps. So that's my hope as we get to hear more about your story, Alan, and the ways in which God has worked through you to redeem you from a past that is um, a bit scary and broken to uh, a place that is in the present useful to the Lord and bearing fruit for his kingdom, that that'll motivate others who are listening to want to follow the same path. So I'm excited to 
break open more of that story with you, Alan. Well, thank you. It's a wonderful thing when you talk about examples, because the, the Lord Jesus always tells me that I should use as my example, not only his life, the life of his blessed mother and all the, the saints that went before us, and to see how in their lives they focused on the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and how they walked for God in their lives. And that uh, if we imitate them, then we can be the saints of today. So the examples for me are, are those great and wonderful saints that have gone before us. That's Alan Ames joining me today. Alan will be at Mary Queen of Peace tonight, beginning at 7 o'clock with Mass, followed by a talk and a time of prayer for healing. Tomorrow night on Friday, the 11th of November, he will be at St. Stephen the Martyr in Renton from 6.30 until 9 p.m. Again, beginning with Mass and then having a talk, adoration, confession, and yes, a time for healing prayer. Uh, Alan, I'm going to bring up a name from the past. I don't know if it's someone that you ever had any interaction with, but if you were involved in Catholic evangelization in the in the 1990s, you may have encountered an initiative called Evangelization 2000, which was promoting a decade of evangelization in anticipation of the Great Jubilee Year 2000. Was that something that you ever had any interaction with? Oh, no, no. I, 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 I basically just... I, I, I sort of work by myself with the church and in the church, but I, I've never had any interaction with, with uh, groups or um, programs like that. I, I go out and do things in a slightly different way, um, in, the, in the individual way that God's called me to, and he called us all individually. Um, so I have a, a set format and way of things, of doing things that's set out by the church and the Lord. And I stick to that, and I find that whatever I, you know, none of it sort of locked in with other organizations or, or programs. And many of them, I've heard of many of them, I've seen them, they're wonderful, but they're just different. It's a different path for me, and there's lots of different paths for all of us. That's a great point. I was mentioning it because back in the 1990s, I was involved in Evangelization 2000, and uh, it was a group, it was an initiative that did have a footprint across the entire world. And so there was a, a fellow from the Philippines who was overseeing Australia as well as Southeast Asia, uh, Father Gino Enriquez, or Henrix, uh, a um, redemptorist priest who was an amazing preacher, uh, a, an amazing evangelist, and a redemptorist priest as well. And so I was wondering if uh, maybe you had any crossed any paths with him because he also had a a background that involved a lot of work in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. No, no, sir, I, I, I never met him, and actually I haven't heard of him either. Oh, that's fine. That's totally fine. So, Alan, let's start back with a testimony, with a story. Um, you mentioned you've been doing this for 29 years. Give us a little bit more of your own background that led you to a place where all of a sudden you felt this impetus and call to proclaim Christ. It sounds like you weren't always there. I only know little bits of your story, and it sounds like a, a one that has a, a lot of drama involved and a lot of um, like a, a striking elements to it. So tell us a bit about your own background. Well, no, no, I come from London, and I, um, I, I was brought up in a Catholic family. My wife's a strong, my wife, my mother's a strong Irish Catholic, but I didn't believe in God, didn't go to church, didn't pray. Uh, I just lived for myself, the things of the world, 
I was addicted to many things, extremely violent, very self-centered, um, and just didn't believe in God at all and didn't care about other people. And I committed just about every sin. But at the age of 40, when I was in the darkest part of my life, doing the most terrible things, the Lord decided to come into my life in a special way and, and change me. It began at first with some saints, you know, Blessed Mother Mary, and finally the Lord himself appearing and speaking to me. Now this has all been under the scrutiny of the church now for, for 29 years. And it was a big shock to me in the beginning because I thought maybe it's because I've been drinking that I'm seeing and hearing these things. But as, as I listened, everything that was being said to me was good. It was all about love, about living a better life, loving God, loving others, and not to sin. And I thought, if that's being crazy, well... It's not so bad, is it? And uh, then uh, when Jesus appeared to me, he, he told me he loved me. And I, I found that hard to believe. Because I've been so bad, I thought, how could God love someone like me? He's done all these bad things. But the Lord Jesus told me he loved everyone, even the worst sinner. It doesn't matter what we've done or who we are or what we've got. Jesus just loves us. He loves us equally. Of course, he doesn't like the sin we do, but he, he loves us all. And at that time, he reached deep into my heart and caressed my soul with his love. And as he did, I was filled with complete ecstasy. It was it's beyond anything of this world. No drugs, no alcohol gives you what I was feeling. And, and I wanted more of this. And as he embraced me his love and told me he loved me, I fell in love with him. And it was then he said, well, if you love me, you want to share my love with others. And I, I want you to go out and to tell them about my love for each person and how they can live good, holy lives throughout their lives, despite all the things that are going on in the world, all the distractions, all the bad things, all the evil that's in the world. But if you hold on to Jesus and his love, you can live beyond that, live through that, and still come out a holy person as you embrace Jesus and his love and share it with others. So that's sort of how it began. That's, um, that's very beautiful. I love the way that you're bringing in the, um, the idea that the saints aren't just sort of devotional pictures on walls or uh, a story that you can read about in a book. But there's a sense of personal connection, personal care, and personal communication with the saints. That's very powerful, and I think it's something that when that can come alive in the life of a Catholic, when we can have a living sense of contact with the Blessed Mother, that she's not just a biblical figure, the greatest of all saints, a very the, the most privileged of all creatures that God has created, but no, my mother spiritually given to me by Jesus and, and the blessed mother Mary knows me and takes care of me. She shelters me and, and knows of my concerns, the burdens that I carry in my heart. That changes everything, doesn't it? Oh, it, it, it does. I mean, a blessed mother truly is our mother and she told me that. And she said what she wants to do for each person is lead them closer to God 
deep into the heart of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's her, 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 her role to bring each one of us closer to God so we can love God more and more. And she says that the focus, her focus is always on God, and so should ours be. While we appreciate our Blessed Mother for the most pure, most holy, blessed woman, the mother of the church, the mother of us all, we must must look with her and through her to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because all grace, all love, all the power and passion comes from God. Uh, and a and blessed mother, of course, is the vessel of that grace. She's filled with that power and, and that love. Because God blesses her so, and she wants to she use that grace, that power, that love to touch each one of us in our lives so that we can take hold of her hand and then let her place our hand into the hand of Jesus so we can walk with Jesus to heaven. So she's the most wonderful mother we can have because all she wants is the best for us. All she wants is what's good for us. And she's always there prepared to love us, to forgive us, to embrace us and to take us to God. So Alan, as you share those um, wonderful thoughts and truths about the Blessed Mother, and the role she desires to play in our lives. Uh, can you share like uh, any ways that that takes shape in terms of the, the concreteness of your daily life? Are you, do you have a commitment, for instance, to the, like a daily rosary or uh, a consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary or making the five first Saturdays? Or um, is there a particular saint that has helped you gain insight into the Blessed Mother, St. Maximilian Kolbe, or St. Louis, uh, St. Louis de Montfort, or St. Alphonsus de Liguori. You know, is, uh, what, what has been um, uh, a sources of nurturing that kind of insight and that type of relationship with the Blessed Mother that's so tender and, and, and gentle? Well, um, many saints have encouraged me to, to reach out to our Blessed Mother. But I, I'd like to share, I mean, I, I do all of those things, praying the rosary and the devotions. And that. But um, when our Blessed Mother first came to me, at that time I was uh, praying five decades of the rosary because St. Teresa of Avila had almost forced me to pray the rosary. She told me I'd go to hell if I didn't change and I should start praying the rosary, so, so I did. But when our Blessed Mother came to me, she said, pray, pray, pray. So in my logic, that was increasing it three times. So I began to pray 15 decades a day. Then our Blessed Mother wasn't satisfied. And later she said, pray more, pray more, pray, pray, pray. So in my logic, increasing it three times. So I did 45 decades. That was difficult. But then it got easier. And our Blessed Mother wasn't satisfied. She said, pray more, pray more. So I began to pray our fathers, how Mary's through the day, um, Divine Mercy Chaplet and other chaplets and prayers. Our Blessed Mother wasn't satisfied. She said, pray more, pray more. I said, how can I pray anymore? It's impossible. I'm doing all these rosaries, all these devotions, all these prayers, praying as much as I can. I don't think I can do that. Maybe a, a priest or a nun or some good holy person, but, but not me. She said, well... If you offer every thought you have, every word you speak, every action you do, every breath you take, every heartbeat, offer that to God as a prayer of love, and that's what it becomes. So I thought, 
I don't think I can do that. And I bless the mother said, just try, just do your best. That's all God ever expects from anyone. But you try, you do your best. So I tried. And I failed miserably. I couldn't do it. And the blessed mother said, you've forgotten something. She said, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Remember, you're human, you're weak, you're fragile, you can be distracted. The evil one can draw you away from, from the holiness. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you do this. So I did. And with perseverance, it was amazing. It changed the whole day to a day of prayer. Now my first prayer in the morning, every morning, is to the Holy Spirit, asking him to help me offer all of the day to God in a, as a prayer of love. Every thought, every word, every action, every breath, every heartbeat, offered to him as a prayer of love, as our Blessed Mother told me. And so now all the day becomes a prayer, becomes a blessing. Still distracted at times. But when I am, the Holy Spirit seems to bring my, my focus back onto God, to where it's meant to be. And that was a, such an important lesson, our Blessed Mother told me, because it showed me that I shouldn't try and rely on myself because I'm weak, but I should always rely on God and turn to the Holy Spirit, the grace, the strength that you need, and, and it's there for you. So every day when I make that offering, I remember our Blessed Mother suggesting it to me and telling me and because because of her, the day's become such a great blessing. Amen. That's so beautiful. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Alan Ames is with me today. He's a Catholic evangelist from Australia, and he will be at Mary Queen of Peace tonight at 7 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. There's Mass along with a time of prayer for healing and a testimony. If you can't make it tonight, please come tomorrow night. That's Friday the 11th at St. Stephen the Martyr Parish in Renton. And there will begin at 6.30 in the evening with Mass, followed by a time of adoration, as well as having time for confession and a talk, testimony, and prayer for healing. Alan, as you're um, telling amazing stories about this sense of communication and, and communing with the saints and, and motivating you to pray always, to let every breath you take, every thought, every word, every deed, every omission be offered up to the Lord as a as an offering of love, as an offering of prayer, as an offering of staying in a, in a glorifying communion with the Lord, that's very powerful. And, it, and it's such a distance from where you began. So I'm guessing that there are a lot of parents right now, Alan, who are listening and they brought up their kids in a Catholic home, sent their kids to Catholic schools, only to have them now face situations where their kids have left the church, are living lives that are marked by serious sin or deeply broken situations, and they are desperate to know that God can redeem broken circumstances and a broken heart like that. What would be your word of encouragement to 
parents and grandparents who are listening and who are in that circumstance of facing um, children or grandchildren that have become wayward, have left the church, and they feel like there's little hope that they'll ever recover or, uh, or grow into um, mighty uh, proclaimers of the gospel. Well, uh, I think my mum's a prime example. I mean, she, uh, thank God she didn't give up on me. I mean, I was, I was extremely bad. But she, she didn't give up. She prayed, prayed for me every day. She kept praying for me. And finally, at the age of 40, God reached into my life and, and touched me and changed me. And I know it's by her prayers and the prayers of all the other people, relatives and friends that might have been praying for me. So don't give up on the prayers. It will, you know, happen at the time God wants it to happen in the way he wants it to happen. So often we think, you know, prayers aren't being heard by God. Nothing's happening. Well, God is listening to those prayers. And what he's doing is he's waiting till the right time in that person's life to reach into their life to touch them and change them. And so it's important you persevere, keep trusting. But what we have to pray for as well is that the person that, when God reaches into their life, that they accept that, they accept his, his touch of love. Because everyone's got free choice, and the Lord won't force himself upon people. He enters lovingly and waits for us to accept him into his life. So we have to pray that they accept that. Now, sadly, some people won't. Some will. But for those who don't, Keep praying. Don't give up. Because when it comes to Judgment Day, those prayers you've said to those people, God hasn't ignored them. He hasn't forgotten them. He's not, he's not deaf to them. When those people are being judged, God will see all the prayers that have been said in love to those people. He'll take those into account because he loves those prayers and he loves the people who are praying, praying them. So he'll take those into account on Judgment Day. And so you... You know, if we keep praying for those people, then hopefully by the grace of God and by the prayers of love that we've said for them, they'll get a, a much better judgment than maybe they maybe they would have if we weren't praying for them. So it's important we keep praying because God will change people in this life at the right time, but we have to pray that also they'll accept that change God offers them. And then if they don't, we have to persevere and trusting in God that on their day of judgment, our prayers will be listened to, they will be heard. You know, God loves those prayers. He's not going to deny them. He's not going to turn away from a mother or father, brother or sister, grandparents, who are praying in love for their family members. He's not going to ignore those prayers. He's going to respond to them in love. And we have to remember, His mercy is limitless. His forgiveness is limitless. And if we pray then we, by the grace of God, and have that mercy and that forgiveness maybe shown to our family members and friends that we're praying for. I love that. Be persevering in prayer, trusting that the Lord, He hears and, and, uh, and, and keeps hold of each and every heartfelt prayer prayed on behalf of our loved ones. I think that's so important to remember. It's hard. It's hard when we're in the middle of it all, right? It's so hard. Alan, I think about the the life of faith that we live, and the, it's the things that we experience as dark trials, as difficult tribulations, as 
deep personal sufferings that make us feel like God is distant or absent. And yet when we come through them, after the fact, we see how God shows himself a redeemer, how he permits an evil only because he has the capacity to redeem it in a way that is beyond what we could ever have imagined before it happened or while we were going through it. And that perspective of faith is so critical to help foster and promote in those uh, who are still in the midst of it. And it's when we hear testimonies by those who have shown themselves and become victorious by God's mercy and grace to be able to speak back and say, you know what? I've been through terrible trials, horrific sufferings, and it's God's mercy that rescued me. He will do the same for you. I think that's such an important testimony to be able to bring to bear um, in the course of our life of faith, Alan. And I just appreciate you doing that today. Alan, in your own ministry, it involves more than giving a story, giving a testimony, as powerful and important and critical as that is. You also have been gifted with a call to pray with people. Talk a bit about that. How did that emerge in your life? When did you first sense and 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 move in action towards that sense of the Lord has anointed me and appointed me to pray and minister to people and to expect that the Lord is going to move in signs and wonders and deeds of power. How did that happen? How did that emerge in your own life? Well, it uh, happened about six or nine months after the Lord started appearing and speaking to me. He said to me, um, I want you to go out and pray for people for healing. Now, I'd never done that, and I'd never thought about doing it. But because he asked me, I, I said, all right, Lord, you'll have to make it happen. I don't know what to do. So I was invited to some parishes in Perth, in Australia, where I live, to give talks, and then I began praying with people for healing. And as I, and as I prayed with them, nothing happened. And I said to the Lord, maybe I've got this wrong. You know, Nothing's happening. I'm praying with these people. You told me to pray with them, but there's no healing. And the Lord said, persevere. So I kept doing it for about six months. And I kept saying, Lord, nothing's happening. Maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe it's my pride telling me to do this. And the Lord kept saying, persevere, persevere. And then after about six or seven months, I was giving a talk in a, in a parish where my current spiritual director, he was the parish priest at the time. Uh, at that time, I had another spiritual director who died, and he was replaced by Father Richard. So I was in Father Richard's parish, and after the talk, I began to pray over people. And all of a sudden, 99% of them, I mean, there's you know, 500 people there, 99% of them were playing in the spirit. I, I was in shock, and I didn't expect this to happen. They were a bit lying around everywhere. And uh, a cripple was healed, I think a, a blind person saw, a deaf person saw some other healing. Uh, and it was amazing. And I said to the Lord, why did this happen? Why didn't it happen before? He said, well, I was calling for your perseverance, your trust in me. He said, you continued. Even though nothing was happening, you trusted in what I said. And because of your perseverance, then the gift was flowed through you. And, you know, it's continued now for 28 years or something I've been doing it. But uh, sometimes no one falls down when I pray with them. Sometimes everyone falls down. But that doesn't matter. The falling down is not important. 
The important thing is that people open their hearts to God and, and they're touched by God. And, and there's been many healings now worldwide. I mean, there's mm-hmm. thousands. And, but I always say to people, it, it's not me that's healing people. It, it's God. That's why we always have a Mass first, because the healing comes from Jesus in the Mass. He's the most powerful healing of all. And so it's through the Eucharist that the people are healed. And of course, I've received Jesus in the Eucharist, and so are the parishioners who are there and the people I pray over, most of them. So it's the power of Jesus in me flowing out through me, and the power of Jesus in those people already, his presence there, that, that's healing the people. So that the healing is, is sacramental. And we also try to have confessions because confession is a, a powerful healing sacrament as well. So the, the healing actually doesn't come from me. It comes from Jesus in the Eucharist and through the power and the grace and the love of God, the Holy Spirit, and the sacrament of confession through the priest. So every time I give a talk and pray for healing, there's always a, a mass first. It's generally there's confessions. And then I pray for people and... Uh, it's up to God then who he heals. I never know who's going to heal. Um, and uh, people, I never ask people to stand up straight away and tell me they're healed because sometimes, you know, that can be emotional and the excitement of the evening. I would say to people, look, write to me and let me know you're healed. And, and people do, and I get letters months, years later, and they say, I was blind, I was healed, or I was, I was deaf, I was a cripple in a wheelchair, and God healed me. And it, it, for me, the good thing is that getting those a long time later or months or weeks later shows that the healing is real. It's not just the emotional response on the evening. And uh, and I thank God for every healing and because it's him that heals, not me. All I do is pray like anyone can do. Anyone can pray for healing. They trust in God, believe in God. He'll work through them. And the other important thing is we should go to priests for healing prayers as well. Because no one has the power that priests have. In, in their hands and through their hands, the bread and wine is changed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord, our God, our Saviour. That divine power flows through them. So, well, you know, you get great healing through those hands because of the power of God that flows through them and through the priesthood. So I always ask priests for blessings, I always ask priests for prayers, and I encourage the other people to do the same. Amen. That's so powerful. I love that. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. And again, you're listening to Alan Ames share a remarkable testimony of faith about the Lord transforming his whole life, bringing about a radical conversion, and then beginning to manifest some extraordinary giftings, special communication with saints who came to him apart from him deserving it or asking for it. The Lord started to break in and allowing a special sense of connection between the saints of heaven and Alan's life on earth. And then from there, beginning to call him to pray for others, and in the desert of no response, 
continuing to persevere. And then all of a sudden breakthroughs happened. And all of a sudden signs and wonders of God's power at work, signs and wonders of, of Jesus's kingdom breaking into today began to manifest themselves. And yet you, where you ended up where is where I think many Catholics begin. And I'm not even sure if Catholics really appreciate that, Alan. And that's the sense of the Lord ministering through the sacraments, especially the greatest treasure of the church, the most blessed sacrament, which is a gift that comes to us today because of the sacrament of holy orders, because of the priest and the anointed sacramental hands of the priest. I love that you emphasize that, Father. I think sometimes that we forget that. We can um, sometimes flatten this sense of how exalted is the call. And, and it's a call. It's not something that someone deserves or earns. The exalted call of being a priest of Jesus Christ, intended by the Lord to be one through whom he's going to continue to, to be at work and move in this world. Beautiful stuff, Alan. I love, I love to hear that. So, Alan, you're coming to Mary, Queen of Peace tonight at 7 o'clock. There's going to be a Mass, and as you said, that's the source and summit and the center of our life of faith. Receiving communion from, uh, receiving communion uh, is receiving the living Lord, who is the divine physician, and he does a mighty work in us. And then you come alongside that, you correspond to that and complement that with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, Alan, as you're talking about some of these extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit that have become manifest in your life, how do, uh, let's say, the, 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 the average Catholic, the, the one who's listening today, um, when they hear about this kind of gifts of the Spirit uh, have, that have been entrusted to you, what does that have to do with their lives? Would you say that um, these kind of gifts are held in reserve for the few, or are they available in accord with God's will and plan and our des desire to ask and to act that he's still distributing these kind of giftings today uh, beyond the, the specific individuals like you? Well, God's love is not for a select few. It's, it's for everyone. And it's the same with graces and gifts. The only difference is how much a person is, is open to God and is prepared to serve God. Now, God will use anyone who will open themselves to him and will serve him completely and put him first in their life and, and live for him. Um, even if you only do that partially, if you try your best to do it, God will use you. And what happens, though, is that we have doubts in ourselves, maybe doubts in our faith, maybe doubts that God can heal, they all get in the way and stop us doing these things. I always encourage everyone, pray for others for healing. Uh, you don't have to lay your hands on them. You can just pray for them and see what happens. If you can, touch them and pray with them, that, that's wonderful too. But it's not only healing, there's all the other gifts God wants to give them to people uh, you know, so they can go out and evangelize, so they can share the love of God. But we, what we so often do is First of all, we might think, well, we're not worthy. Someone else, someone else is worthy. Well, we're all worthy if we open our hearts to God. If we give ourselves to God completely in the Eucharist, if he gives himself to us completely, 
then we are worthy. Jesus makes us worthy, and he fills us with the Holy Spirit so we can have those gifts, those graces, to go out and share his love. The only thing that stops us doing that is ourselves and our fears. So often we're afraid of what family and friends might say, what the world might say about us, what might happen to us. And, and it stops us doing, you know, people are going to say, oh, he's crazy religious and, and things like this. But that, that stops us doing these things. But it shouldn't, because that's the evil in the world that's trying to stop people going out and, and using the gifts and graces of God. Every one of us is blessed and holy when we give ourselves to God. Every one of us is gifted. God gifts us. And if we open ourselves completely to him, those gifts, those graces will flow through us. We shouldn't let the world and the evil in the world stop us doing that. You know, many people have said lots of things about me over the years. And many people have attacked me over the years in all sorts of ways. And even in some countries where I've been, my life's been at risk. But it doesn't stop me because God gives me the grace and I realise that this is evil in the world that's trying to stop me doing God's work. And it's not only me, it's tough to everyone who tries to share God's love through God's work. He'll use the fear that we might have to stop us serving God, stop us opening ourselves completely to God. What we have to pray for, which I do, is pray for the grace not to be afraid the grace to truly embrace Jesus, to let go of the world, to hold on to heaven, to hold on to God in heaven, to serve him completely as we're meant to. And it's then, when we pray that way with a true and open heart, when we live that sacramental life, by the sacramental power and grace of God, the presence of God within us, those gifts, those graces will flow through us to touch the world, to touch others. It's only us in our fears, in our weaknesses, in our certainty, in our doubts, to stop this happening. So we need to pray for the grace not to have those fears, uncertainties and doubts. We need to pray for the grace not to have this self-pity of ourselves at times and this self-centeredness. He said to be God-centered, to live for him, to serve him, and to let that power, that passion, those grace, those gifts flow through us. And when we do that, anyone, anyone can have the grace of healing, the grace of prophecy, the grace of whatever grace God wants to give them. That's Alan Ames talking with me today. Please come out to the event tonight at Mary Queen of Peace in Sammamish. 7 o'clock Mass, followed by a testimony and a time of prayer for healing. Or tomorrow night, Friday, the 11th of November at 6.30 p.m. at St. Stephen the Martyr in Renton. And again, after Mass, there will be a time of adoration, confession, as well as a talk and prayer for healing. You don't want to miss this. Alan, I want to welcome you back to the program. This is Tom Curran, and today on the program you've been sharing um, uh, very powerfully about having a sense of, am I willing to be useful to the Lord in receiving his gifts? If so, let me seek his gifts. And seeking his gifts means asking in prayer, knocking in prayer. It means saying, Lord, please, I want to be useful to you. Lord, I know that you want to heal more than healing is happening in this world. I want to be part of that solution. I want to be part, Lord, of what you're doing in this world to unbind and set your people free, to go seek the lost sheep, to bring them back, to bring them close, 
to home again, to bring them back into the fold of the church so that they can be reconciled and they can be healed. Alan, as you are seeing the Lord at work around the world, what is your sense about this moment in, in the life of the church? We're asked as uh, God's people to read the signs of the times and interpret them in the light of the gospel if we're going to fulfill our task. As you're reading the signs of the times, looking around, you're traveling the world, ministering in this evangelistic way in the Catholic Church. What is something that you're seeing, you're noticing, that you would want to call out for our audience as a sign of the time of what God is doing today? Well, first of all, we need to remember, um, because coming in today, we obviously feel persecuted with the way things are in the world. But it is far worse than this in the past. There's been many times the church has been persecuted in far greater ways than today. And yet every time the church has come through it, stronger and greater. And the same will happen in this time of persecution. But it's an interesting thing. As I travel the world, I go to Africa, different places. There's a, a different perspective on things. When you go to the, like the third world... No one's really thinking too much about the end times or the persecution. They're thinking about today. They uh, you know, live for God today. I mean, in the third world, so many of them, their life is God-centered. It's amazing. And even though they're starving and hungry, they're living for God today. But none of them are thinking about the persecution and what's happening and what may come. They're thinking about today and living for God today. And I think that's where we in the West maybe have lost it a little bit because we keep looking ahead and thinking what's going to happen, what might happen, and we're concerned about that. Instead of looking and thinking, what are we doing today for God? How are we living today for God? How are we sharing God's love and gifts and graces of others today? And what happens is, when you start to look ahead and think about these things and the persecutions, yeah, at times you can become drawn into self and start to have fears about what happened to you uh, or your family in the future, it's a, it's a natural thing. But if you trust in God, you, you would know straight away that God's going to take care of you, no matter what happens. He always has, he always will. Um, so, you know, when, when we start, and you know, so much going on in the world today, and especially in the West, where the church is attacked over and over and over, uh, our morals and just decaying away before our eyes. But what we have to do is stand up not be afraid. Stand up. Live our faith for today. Let others see Jesus in us. In us. Let them see the morals of God in us, the true morals, so that they can see the way to live themselves. Now, this might be a time of great stress and persecution and suffering for the church, but it's through suffering. The church is renewed. It's refreshed. It's strengthened. It's through suffering our lives are refreshed renewed and strengthened when we offer that suffering to Jesus on the cross and allow him to pour out the strength and grace to us so we can live for him my word to the people is don't be afraid Jesus said it so many times in scripture there's nothing to be afraid of God is with you for 29 years people are telling, asking me is this the end time telling me the world's going to end and this and that's going to happen and here we are, 29 years later, and I'm still getting the same things from people. Oh, we, you know, the world's going to end. Is this the end times? No one knows the end times except God. 
So anyone who says they do, they do is not quite telling the truth because it says in Scripture only the Lord knows. And so we'll never know. It will come upon us like a thief in the night. So we shouldn't be worrying about that. We should be looking ahead, not afraid, just trusting in God, not worrying about if the world ends tomorrow. And if it does, hold, stand up, hold your head high. If you've been living your faith, if the world ends tomorrow, you're going to heaven. What a blessing. So why are we afraid? There's nothing to be afraid of. Trust in God. Don't get distracted into these thoughts because so often they do. They distract us when we start thinking, is the world going to end and all the persecution? We're drawn away from really thinking about God, thinking about ourselves, what's going to happen to us and to our family and our loved ones, which is a natural thing. But this is a weapon that evil uses to distract us so that our total focus is not on God. Our total trust is not with God. And we start to worry, we start to be concerned. There's nothing to be afraid of. Trust in God. The world will end when God wants it to. Your life will end when God wants it to. But if you've lived that life for him, if you trust in him, then heaven is yours. What a blessing. Amen to that. Alan, that's so powerful. I love what you just said about uh, the reality of um, uh, trusting that even if the world were to end tonight, Praise be to God. I'm going to heaven. Like, why is death a threat, right? This is, uh, this is the Lord doing something beautiful and powerful in our lives. So of what should we be afraid? So I love that, Alan. That's a, that's a great, beautiful point. Alan, as you're looking around the, the church today, are you sensing um, uh, the uh, expectation and openness to the gifts of the spirit is that something that you see on the increase are you seeing because my sense is this i'd love for you to respond to this that in a world that has become so increasingly secular that there is a way in which um it takes stronger supernatural inbreakings from the lord to get people's attention to get people to, to stop and consider the gospel. You know, so many people are now classified in the United States as nuns. They have no religious affiliation. Or they're done. They're duns. So they have a sense of, um, I'm just all done with any kind of practice of faith in my own life. Um, what's your sense about the Lord moving in more direct, supernatural ways in signs and wonders. Do you see that on the increase? Are you hearing about that? Yeah, well, it's, uh, I feel so sorry for those people who are nuns and nuns. I mean, what hope have they got in life? It must be sad lives, and I pray for them earnestly to find that hope in, in Jesus. But, you know, it's amazing how God uses things. You know, we had this, uh, this COVID phenomenon, and a lot of people were locked down, especially in Australia and other countries. And, you know, you thought that, uh, and a lot of churches were closed as well, and you would have thought, well, maybe people are going to drop off from coming to church. But in Australia, that's not the case. Since things have opened up again, we're getting actually slightly more and more people coming to church. And the interesting thing is, many more young people are coming to church. And I think what's happened is because of the lockdowns and not being able to do certain things, they've had time to sit and think think about life, what's going on in their life. 
and God's touched them then in, in, in that way. And so more and more young people are coming to church and, and they're really excited about it as well. And they seem to be holding on to the, looking to the, the fundamentals of the Catholic faith, you know, holding on to that uh, strong faith that we're given by our ancestors. It's wonderful to see. And I hope to God it continues because that, that really is the hope for the future. The hope for now, though, of course, is, is the older people. And again, many of them have found a strength and faith in the times that are locked away. So many of them now were, were desperate to return to, to get to Mass. And so we're seeing an increase in those numbers. And I, I've been talking to some people while I was here in, in the States, and they're telling me they're noticing similar things. So you see how, how God has used this uh, COVID thing to get people to focus on Him and, and so more starting to come to church. And of course, this is the way He works. He uses every opportunity He can to reach into people's lives to bring them to Him. So I've got great hope for the future. I know that, you know, there's always difficult times ahead. We'll come through it. The church will come through it. And the church will be stronger. And a lot of these young people that are coming into the church nowadays, they're going to be powerful, powerful evangelists, powerful saints of the future. Uh, Alan Ames is with me today on the program. Alan, uh, final question. So if folks come tonight and they come to the Mass afterwards, what should they expect? Yeah, well, first, of course, we, we have the Mass. And then I'll, I'll speak for about 25 minutes or so. I, I never plan a talk. I just speak the words God gives me at the moment. And it's generally for the people in the, in the parish. Um, many people find during the talk they're touched by the Holy Spirit and have wonderful experiences of God. Then, then afterwards we have the Blessed Sacrament exposed and, and, and I pray with people. And many people uh, experience wonderful things from God and I pray them, with them as well. Uh, and one of the things we ask is that everyone in the parish who's there, when I'm praying with people, they're praying as well, whether it's a rosary or, or singing hymns, because their prayers are as, as powerful as mine. If we pray together, it's really strong. But what happens is when those people pray like that, at times they find that they're touched by the Holy Spirit as well, and they have a, a wonderful closeness with God uh, as he reaches into their souls as they're praying. So through the evening, many people will experience God touching them, uh, whether it's in the sacraments or when I'm praying over them or when they're praying themselves or when they go to confession. And generally what happens is that people come in looking quite apprehensive because they don't know what's going to happen. But by the end of the evening, everyone generally seems very happy and smiling, and it's wonderful to see. That's so beautiful. That's Alan Ames joining me today on the program. Alan, I really appreciate you um, saying yes to the Lord and being willing to travel, not just uh, not just in your own local area, but uh, traveling all the way to uh, places like, yes, indeed, even um, Washington. So that's a such a beautiful gift that you're willing to do that. So thank you so much. I do pray God's blessings uh, on you, praying that you would, in fact, uh, experience uh, the beautiful ministry and anointing that the Lord has for you and that many, many people will be blessed. That's Alan Ames joining me today on the program. Alan, thank you so much. God bless you, and God bless everyone who's listening. Thank you. That's Alan Ames joining me today. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.